This is episode 56 of the Steady Trade Podcast with your host, Tim Bowen. Steven, I'm, 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 I'm getting a little mo- emotional. <laughs> it's like you've actually listened. <laughs> and Steven Johnson. But, but like... If that stock pushes into the close, I mean, you can, you, can, you can get home from work and you can sell into the aftermarket hours if you want to. Today, Tim and Steven walk you through part six of Tim Sykes' 14-part free trader checklist video series. We also learn a little bit about home insurance. Nobody ever tells you about insurance and property taxes. I think that's really interesting. Can you tell me a little bit more about this? Why don't we just forget Forget the trailer checklist. Let's just talk about property tax and home insurance in the next. <laughs> Stephen speaks out against an issue very near and dear to his heart. More importantly, I think on a lifestyle note, I just want to say, kids, it's not cool to not wear a condom. And Tim sets a new goal for next episode. The Let's biggest go. goal is that you do not raise your arm with the tank top. And in between all the fun, they actually give some really good advice about trading. So let's jump right in. Welcome to the Steady Trade Podcast. This is another episode on the Trader Checklist. I hope you guys are listening to everything that we are saying because shortly quizzes will be coming up and prizes will be there to be won. Uh, Today we're covering A-R-E. That spells R. Arr. Arr. Are, are you working on your are you working on your midwestern accent or your pirate accent I'm, I'm 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 having a bit of an existential crisis because i was playing poker last night till early hours and i feel a bit hungover which is no surprise you may think i'm hungover every day i'm not I'm, but i am hungover today but i'm thinking Arr. and and two questions come from R. Uh, oh, two questions to me come from R. Uh, who are you and why are you are you specifically asking me or the listeners? I'm, I'm asking you. Who are you? Why are you? It's like Socrates. Why? Asking, right? I, I mean, I guess I know. Socrates wh- some shit. I guess I kind of know who I am, but what? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I could answer that. The other thing I think about is uh, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp used to be like this up-and-coming uh, movie star. I think Aaron and I have pirates. And do you know what it is? That mofo sold out. He sold out. He sold out. That mofo well, sold out. Well, he's crazy. He's like, I'm never going to do commercial shit. I'm never doing commercial shit. It's fucking Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, yeah, but he bought like he bought like one thousand houses, and you know now he he has like a billion in real estate and can't afford it. So now he's crazy and he's got to sell out. <laughs> he's so. got to do lots of movies. Yeah, sell exactly. Sell some of your houses. Uh, I don't even have one house. I don't even have one house. I just I just rent. I think you're, I think you're wise. I mean, there's, you know, it's interesting when we talk about investments and wise investments, all you young guys out there. I mean, I know home ownership and gals home ownership is a dream of many of you. And I think home ownership is a great thing, but nobody ever tells you about insurance and property taxes, you know, make sure you know, make sure you know about that before you, you know, and again, I mean, I've got a nice house. I'm not complaining, but when you, before you jump into buying a house, the banks won't tell you, nobody, you know, the, the real estate agent won't tell you, nobody tells you that you don't, you know, even if you pay cash for that house, you don't own it because you got to pay property taxes and you got to pay insurance or, you know, if you don't pay your property taxes, they'll take it away from you, you know, I mean, so I, I think just remember really that young, young ones. I think that's really interesting. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? Maybe we can make the episode about it. About property taxes and how, how <laughs> angry <laughs> they make me? <laughs> why, don't, why don't we just forget, 
forget the trailer checklist. Let's just talk about property tax and home insurance in the next. That's a riveting topic, you know, yeah, for sure. Tim, please enlighten me. Tell me a little bit more about home insurance. <laughs> Oddly well, enough, well, the first clip. I don't know. I don't know. It's don't funny know. you ask because here's another <laughs> tip to everyone out there: make sure you shop out your home insurance. Uh, again, the reason I'm so angry about this is I get my home insurance bill like a month ago. It's on auto pay. You know, you don't pay attention to it. I look at this thing. I've been with the same insurance company for 19 years, and I'm how many, how many years? 19 years. That's so I use him. It is. And I look at this bill and my hair turned, look at it, it all fell out. So I shop my insurance around, I get it around, I get it for like 40% less. So there's another that's, tip. Don't, don't, don't shop or don't neglect to shop your insurance around. No, I mean, in, in England, we've got, uh, don't compare the market, compare the meerkat. No, no, I could get that wrong. And it's true, Stephen Stiltz. Don't compare the meerkat. Compare the market.com. Don't compare the meerkat. Compare the market.com. Meerkat is a Russian thing. It's a Russian ad, but it's an English brand. It's fantastic. Google meerkat market. It's a funny clip. Let's We've, get in a checklist. I don't know. Oh, we're going to talk about tax insurance. No, how many, how many years? How many years? How many years were you with the same provider? I, I don't. I, I'm, I already vented. I'm, I'm, let's, let's talk about trading. Okay, but I'm going to bring it back up. I'm going to bring home insurance back up later. I just, it's a it's sexy topic. It, but it's as cheap as $8 a day for full protection for your home. It's as cheap as $8 a day. I ain't getting $8 a day, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Would you guys shut the fuck up so I can play the first clip? All right. So we are in the home stretch of my little formula here, and we are getting to the A, which means at what time of day is it where you're planning this trade, and what is your personal schedule too? You do not need to sit at a computer from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern. I know too many people who have become slaves to the computer. And to me, that's not what trading is about. You know, successful trading for me is about putting it in my own schedule, taking advantage when there are great opportunities, but, you know, letting the market come to me, not trying to force what I need and, you know, my cravings for action every day upon the market. The best times to trade are the first and last hours of the trading day, okay? Let me just repeat that. The best times to trade are the first and last hours of the trading day. So Tim makes a great point, and I mean, I've hammered up. Well, I've lived this for 10 years, and then I talk about it every day. You know, I say... You have to be there every morning. You have to be prepared. You have to be looking at what's moving. You have to be looking at the news, figuring all this stuff out. But um, build your plan, build your watch list, get ready. But there is no reason the majority of the year to sit there all day long. Now, if we get a crazy mania, like, you know, I think back to last winter in, in, in January um, when we had Bitcoin mania. I mean, we had 10 stocks moving at once. There are special situations, but 90% of the year, you're there for the open. Maybe you're making a trade. Maybe you're not. You're getting prepared. And then I say you just leave, like he said. Do other things. I mean, many of our listeners are probably new traders. You might have a job. You might have school, you know. Watch the market, get ready, but then take care of your work, 
take care of your school, whatever you got to do to get done. And then, you know, Tim does mention the last hour of the day. I will modify that slightly. I say the last kind of like the last two hours to me, 2 PM is the real quote unquote power hour. Um, so I totally agree beginning of the day, end of the day, but I will say the one slight modification I think I think the real action, especially for new traders, starts at 2 p.m. most days. Yeah, and, and I mean, I would go as far as saying, I mean, I don't even trade the afternoon. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, by, by the time it comes for me, it's, it, it's just a bit late and I'm tired. And I just, I've generally lost in the afternoon, so I just don't do it. <clears throat> well, I generally, but, and I've generally profited in the morning. Like, track your stats, see where you're best. See what see way performing best. Are you are you very good point? I mean, that's another thing to keep. You know, we we talk about these spreadsheets and trade plans and all that too. Something that a lot of that doesn't come up very often is exactly that. Look at the time of day. I mean, the morning is very active. There's a lot going on, so a lot of traders kind of think they do well there. But um, definitely, I'll let you finish. But when you're, I, I always my index cards back in the day. You'd see them on my old Instagram. I'd put time of day on there as well. I think it's important to track that. But it's like, and it's just so underrated. It's just so underrated where people are like, I can't find a pattern. I can't find the pattern. I just don't get it. I don't know what I'm looking for. And I do this and I do that and I do that. And I'm getting all these random results. <clears throat> and what you've got to do is like, rate every single one of your trades down, break them down into little names, and then break down what, what you're trading, what time of day it was. And then, and what the pattern is, and what the catalyst is, and then try it, and every week go back through them and say, oh, that one worked again, that one worked again, that one didn't work this time. What's my winning percentage? I traded this pattern 10 times, and it's worked six times. Oh, that's, that's a 60% winning average. I can do that more. What's the risk or reward of it? But the other, the other point is, you've just got to take what the meerkat gives you. Marcus, you've got to take what the meerkat gives do, you. Do you know what a meerkat is? Yeah, it's a little, little shitty animal. Right? I've only seen the animated one. But you've got to take what the market gives you. Close, close enough, close enough. <laughs> so, like, too, too many people are like, I'm going to just stare at this screen, and if I, if I look for a trade hard enough, I'm going to find the trade. And, and I know people say there's always a trade. Yeah, there may always be one trade. There may always be one. But, like, you're not trading five times on a, on a, on a quiet day. You, you were seeing on Stocks to Trade Pro, like, go read a book the other day. You're like, just, just don't trade. If you trade... If, I'm going to try and mimic you. See if I can do this. If, if you, nah, I can't do your accent, but he's like, if, <laughs> if, if you trade in August, good luck. Good luck, buddy. If you trade in August, good luck, buddy. Because <clears throat> you will not be here in September. You will not be in Stocks to Trade Pro in September if you trade avidly in August. <laughs> so I say good luck to you, buddy. <laughs> but I, don't, I don't say buddy, do I? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think I added the buddy thing. I did the funny, th- funny thing. Actually, you know, it's a, you, I do remember saying that. I think it was yesterday or the day before. But um, yeah, one of the reasons, you know, you know, actually when we talk about time of day, there's, there's seasonality too. And August is traditionally the slowest month. I mean, there's a reason. Well, number one, we're leading up into the conference and, and grading these scores on Trader Checklist. But there's a reason we decided to do – two podcasts a week and focus on trader checklist in August is because there's not that many trades out there to talk about right now. And I mean, yeah, I mean, you've, but you've just got to think like you, when you're trading, you are like a plant. I think you are like a plant or a crop. And when the sun shines and you get a great summer, 
you'll, you'll grow into a beautiful little thing and you'll have great results. But, but if the sun doesn't shine for August, it's just one of those, it's just one of those things. It's a bad harvest. Do you know what I mean? It's just a bad harvest, but don't force it. Don't, you can't force the sun. And, and before we move on to the next clip, I, I, I say this a lot too. If you are, I mean, a lot of you guys are probably following guys on Twitter, chat rooms and stuff like that, which is fine. But remember, a lot of the most successful day traders do not trade nearly as much as you think. I mean, if you're following some guy on Twitter making 100 trades a day, the, I mean, in my opinion... The right odds away. of him actually being successful are very low. I mean, you want to talk about the best of the best, whether it be Gratani or, or Greg Schiabata, LX21, those guys don't trade that much. Once a day, maybe, maybe. Some days they don't even trade. So Yeah, I mean, I, I remember last, last, last thing because we've gone, we've gone on too long on this, but I remember Tim Gratani being like, I just didn't really trade in January and February. It just wasn't much. Just didn't bother yeah. trading. Didn't, didn't see it. You know, there's there's a lot more volatility uh, overnight than there is intraday. So this kind of cures me, and I can't, you know, get too impatient. That said, you know, there is some risk that comes with that because I can't get out. You know, sometimes there is negative news or, you know, news that I did not expect um, overnight, and that's going to impact my position. Um, but long story short, you know, if I'm buying good news, good catalysts, that kind of news and, and good charts, that kind of uh, events can spread overnight as less prepared traders and investors research and they come to the same conclusion that ideally that I have. Uh, and then they want to take the same position, which, you know, that's what it's all about. If, if I buy a stock, I want there to be a possibility that the next day people who didn't necessarily see this setup, when I bought, they see it the next day and they're like, oh, this looks like a good setup. Let me buy. And when enough of those people buy, you know, ideally the next day for a morning spike, if I'm in the position overnight, well, then I'm selling into the morning spike because I'm basically taking advantage of the fact that a lot of people are lazy and they don't see it until later, whether it's investors, traders, hedge fund managers, analysts, the press, uh, you know, again, there's not much competition in penny stocks because nobody really thinks that there's even a really big business here except me. Uh, so if you are meticulous like I try to be and try to show you, you have that same advantage. Uh, great, 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 great point here. And I think this is a mistake that many new traders make is trying to overnight or gap stocks without news. Okay. Um, yep. I know Steven's not much of an overnight trader. This is one of my favorite types of trades, whether long or short, but when we're in stocks to trade pro, when we're looking for a gapper, we call it, which, you know, the idea behind a gapper is, and, and one of the reasons so many small traders love that setup is particularly because of the PDT, you know, okay. the, we've talked about the PDT in past episodes, you know, you can only make three day trades in a rolling five day period. The beauty of a gapper setup is you're buying a stock that, you know, in the perfect world, gaps up the next day. Say you get a 10, 15, 20% gain. You sell the next day. You don't use one of the day trades, which is what makes it so attractive to, to beginning traders, beginning uh, uh, guys under the PDT. And I agree with that 100%. But the mistake people make is they try and gap a stock with no news. And you think about what Tim said. You want people to get home at night 
open up their Yahoo Finance, watch CNBC, you know, go on Twitter and see people yapping about this story. So whatever it is, they got a new contract, they announced earnings, what new technology. You want people to find that at night, find it the next day and latch onto that. Now, the beauty of stocks to trade, as you see behind me, is we have one of the fastest news feeds out there. So the great thing is, you get the news, we're recording at 12.30 Eastern, say some news alert goes off right now, I buy that, the stock closes strong, it becomes a gapper setup, then Steven gets home at night, the producer gets home at night, you get home at night, you read that news, you get excited, you buy that stock in the next morning, more buying brings a spike in the price, I can sell into that, I profited because I was there first and recognized the news and exactly what Tim's talking about. Yeah, and I mean, I just think like a lot of people are saying, <clears throat> I, I can't trade because I work through the trading hours. And, and that's the other crazy thing about the time of day that you're trading. I mean, with your VWAP hold setup, all you have to do on your lunch hour at two o'clock, you've got to follow how to do it. All you need to do is look at what stocks are up, bang up stocks to trade, look at what stocks are up, look at, and, and it's crazy because you're like, first of all, you're like, in the afternoon, say 2 p.m., some stocks have spiked and then they've given it all back in the field. You've already eliminated all of those. You're looking only at the ones that have spiked and they've consolidated and held all day. And then at 2 o'clock, you're thinking, I'll tell you what, I've got this whole level of consolidation. I'll check the news. If it's got good news, it's a clean chart. There's not much overhead resistance. There's a lot of volume. You're going to think, well, I'm just going to buy this and I'll put a stop loss in. And then you still get, you've let the stock prove itself. It's likely to, to push into the close. If it doesn't, it failed. It's one of those things. Your stop loss goes off. Stephen, I'm, 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 I'm getting a little mo- emotional here. <laughs> but but it's, it's, like... it's, 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 like, it's, like you've, it's like you've actually listened. <laughs> I mean, it's like a sea change here. I, I, but it's, tr- it's true. I, I, need a, I need a moment. I think he's serious. I think he's actually serious. <laughs> I think he's actually serious. But, but like... If that stock pushes into the close, I mean, you can, you, can, you can get home from work and you can sell into the aftermarket hours if you want to, or you can, you can, you can watch for the gap up. And then the next day, you're thinking, I'm, I can sell half and then sell half out of the open. If it, if it doesn't push off, you're at work, just sell it in the pre-market before you go to work. And because it, it'll leave that gap and all the, all, the, all the longs take the gap I set up, what you just talked about, and then it'll fail out the open because all the longs were gapping it. And then if it spikes, I'll just put a stop loss in. And if it fails out the open, then it fails out the open. But you can trade while working full time. And you don't need to stare at it all the time. Just put a stop loss in and, and look for the criteria at 2 o'clock. Halas. Very well, very, very well said. <laughs> halas in Arabic. In Arabic, halas means point, point done. And this is me, Egyptian friends, dancing. <laughs> Next clip. What? You know, I, I do have to repeat this. Overnight positions are risky because I cannot exit quickly. And sometimes I have lost. Uh, you know, news, international markets can change my overnight positions. And, you know, if three out of four stocks follow the market and for no reason whatsoever, I mean, a stock, uh, you know, isn't spiking the next day because the whole overall market is tanking, there's nothing I can do. I had this a few weeks ago. I was buying, what was it, on day one, uh, a big a big run up on uh, a biotech that had some kind of developmental herpes uh, treatment. 
And it was surging because, you know, a lot of people have herpes. Simulation theory. This company was, was spiking. It closed really nicely. And the next day, uh, I think that was when Brexit happened. And the whole U.S. stock market and, and worldwide stock markets got crushed. And, you know, my little herpes stock, I mean, there was nothing that it could do. It, it didn't do anything badly. Uh, but it opened down and I cut losses quickly. And I was actually very fortunate that even with the whole overall stock markets dropping, I think I only lost like 10, 15 cents a share on like a four or $5 stock because the news, you know, did have legs. It was going to spread, but I frankly was just caught, um, by the overall market. So that's a risk. I mean, I've got a few things to say trading wise, but more importantly, I think on a lifestyle note, I just want to say, kids, it's not cool to not wear a condom. It's not, kids think it's cool to not wear condoms these days. Like, I'm not wearing a condom. I want to feel it. You know what I mean? They're like, I'm not wearing a condom. I want to feel it. I want to feel it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I want to feel it. I want to feel it. Condoms are ultra thin these days. You will feel it anyway. Right? <laughs> I don't know if you want to say anything, Tim, before I, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're, you're like, shut the, shut the F up, Stephen. It's a trading podcast. Stop talking about condoms and sex. I'm a, I'm a happily married man. Don't want to talk about this. But, okay, trading. Uh, it's really important what Tim's saying here because after and diff, different events will affect stock prices. And ultimately, you can't predict what's going to happen overnight. And you can get caught in some very sticky situations. More, more importantly, what I would say is, why are stocks on the stock market? The debt is money. The low price stocks, the micro cap stocks are the worst people for trying to raise money because they've got the worst fundamentals and financials. So if you're holding a stock overnight, there is a good chance that at any point they can announce a public offering to raise shares at a very discounted price and that will plummet the stock price and that will plummet your, your account. So there is yeah, a that, risk. That's, that's, I'm, I'm glad Tim made this point because there is, you know, as much as, just, you know, the previous segment, I went on and on about how cool it is to gap stocks and how you can save your day yeah. trades. And that's great. But I'm glad again, Tim's taking both sides of this. The dilemma is, as Steven said, you know, a lot of these stocks, and we've seen this cycle repeat a million times, they're sketchy. So they'll release some good news. They'll run that stock up and then they'll do, then they'll do an offering that night, I mean, I've seen it the same day before, which is really, really sketchy, but I've seen it a few times. So keep that in mind if you're, especially, and that's where it goes back to, you know, what we do in Stocks to Trade Pro. I mean, I always do air quotes when I say quality stocks because I, you know, I'm a short seller at heart, even though I don't do it that much in this bull market, but I'm very, very skeptical of any publicly traded stock. So one of the reasons we talked about putting money in real estate is I don't believe in any of these stocks. But if you're looking at the fundamentals of this company, and I mean, all they do is lose money. They got, you know, 10 grand in the bank, you know, and, and all these things. You got to take that into consideration if you're gapping a stock because when that offering comes, all of a sudden you're looking at a 30% gap down that you're selling into in pre-market. Yeah, and if I can just, inter <clears throat> if I can just interject, uh, what I would like to say as well is uh, when 
you've got criteria to pick these these gappers and you've got a criteria to, to pick these swing trades and overnight as and one of the criteria as well for me one of the criteria is all of course do they have cash in the bank uh, are they actually making money as a company because if they're making money as a company they probably don't need to raise money yeah because you'll see some of these companies in, in you know that have zero revenue you know that is that is not a stock guy overnight now they may make money, but I mean, if you're looking at it and they have literally no sales whatsoever, you got to think real twice about gapping that stock. Yeah. And I mean, if, if, can I ask you a personal question? Sure. <clears throat> How big uh, are the stocks that you, that you generally gap the, the price of them? What's the price? You know, uh, I mean, obviously they could be anything, but I like to, for me, it would be, you know, $7 and above, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, and again, I, I do the air quotes when I say quality, but you know, the higher price you get, the less likely you are exactly. like bank robber sketchy. Okay. Exactly. There's still sketchy $50 stocks but there's way less sketchy $50 stocks than there are sketchy 50 cent stocks. I mean, yeah, exactly. So if it's Chinese, if it's got a queue on the end, if it's, if it's like a couple of bucks, generally it's a bit of a humdrum stock. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit humdrum. It's a bit of a humdrum stock. <laughs> Next clip. You know, I just take it one trade at a time. I have no expectations, no preset profit goals. I am grateful, so grateful, for every single opportunity. This is why I think it's very dangerous to set too many goals where, you know, one of my students, Jane, she just passed $100,000 in profits, and she followed that tweet up with another tweet saying, oh, I expect to be over, you know, 250000 by X date. And I was like, whoa, 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 Jane, congrats. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm losing my voice. But... Congrats on making six figures, but do not get ahead of yourself. Do not try and give yourself these deadlines to pass some milestone. Uh, Tim Grittani, I think, has one of the best stories where, you know, I actually went to Ohio to film him as he was going to cross a million dollars in profits. He wasn't my first millionaire student. He was my second. But the first time I went to Ohio, he promptly lost about $50,000 because he was trying to force a trade that wasn't necessarily there. And so I actually went back to Ohio for a second time with a camera crew. When he did pass a million dollars, he made like 9000 bucks on the trade that, that you know pushed him over. It was awesome. But just be aware, no matter what milestone you're passing, it doesn't really matter in the long run, okay? Anyway, uh, so very good point. I've seen it a million times where a lot of new traders will hit a little bit of success and then they start setting profit goals. They're like, okay, if I made a thousand this week, I can make two thousand next week. I can make ten grand next week, et cetera, et cetera, on down the line. And I think it is is very, very bad to try and like extrapolate like that. I mean, you got to take what comes to you. I mean, if you made actually, again, we're recording in August, say you crushed it in July. If you think to like, you're going to like double your profits in August, you know, no way. I mean, there's, a, it's just so lean out there right now. And you're going to come into August. And you're going to be like, Oh, okay, well I got to beat July because I made 10 grand in July. I want to make 20 in August. And next thing you know, you blow up because you're trying to force the market to bend to you. The, the market never does what you want. You have to react to the market.
Yeah, and, and I mean, in that way, you've got to be a bit like almost zen-like. You've just got to be very passive. You've got to be very accepting of what the market offers and gives you. And targets are the worst. Yeah, as you said, targets are the quickest way of blowing up. It's the quickest way of doing something wrong. Just got to passively look at the market and think, is there anything good today? No, I'm going to go read a book. When you, when you first start in your first year, you're so into the market and you're so desperate to grab every hour. I think that, that enthusiasm can be a hindrance. Oh, yeah. In some ways, that enthusiasm. And, and later on down the line, like I've been, I've been doing it, like I'm coming up to two years now. For me now, I'm much more like, if there's nothing good, I'm just not trading. I'll not even look. Like I'll just shut it down. I'm like, whatever, just take a day off. Um, I'm not so profligate with my enthusiasm. Yeah, I think you know it's it, it, you know you gotta you gotta look at it as you know I use sports analogies a lot, but I mean if if the pitcher just keeps throwing you balls, there's no point swinging the bat. I mean you gotta sit there and you gotta wait for a strike because if you start swinging at bad pitches, you're just gonna strike out. And, and same with your trading. But and I think I remember Tim Sykes says it better than better than anyone. He was like, "You will know." when there's a good trade, you'll know because you'll be like, I can't believe this is happening. Like there's been some trades where I'm like, Oh my God, how is this up this much? And how, how haven't shorts jumped on it yet? I'm like, Oh my God. And then there's other trades where you're like, I'm just going to take this because there's nothing else to take. That's a, that's a great point. I've got, I've got an analogy for you. Do, do, have, I love do, analogies. Why don't, why don't you tell us? I might have heard it before. Simulation do, theory. I don't, I don't <laughs> think you have. Do, have, you, have, you done much fi- have you done much fishing, Stephen? Do I look like a man that fishes? The question or the question. Do you know what it is? I've, I've never, do you know what it is? You're, you're a massive fisherman and, you're a, and you've got the hat and everything. You're wearing a fisherman hat even, right? Like, I am. When you're not fishing, you're wearing a fisherman hat. And, it, and it's cool. Like, I like that you fish and you, you do the whole dot, you do the whole bow and arrow shebang. You, you're like, you're, you're like what, what's the other shebangs that you do? Um, you're like hunting shit. And I'm just like, I'm like a 21st century, I'm a 21st century dude. You know what I mean? Like that shit's for people in the seventies. I don't, I don't care. We've got the internet now. Why are you standing in a lake with a, a rod in the water? I don't get it. We've got the internet. We've got Netflix. Why, why you, have you got a rod in the water? Have you, have, you, have you done much fishing? No, but I want to. I want to try okay. it. I want to try it. But I'll I take you. When, when, when we're in Orlando, I'll take you fishing. So right. anyway, the analogy I can think of that actually dovetails with you real well, and many, I'm, I'm assuming many of dovetails. the listeners have fished at some point, but it's like when you cast out there, and you catch a weed and you think it's a fish, you might think, oh, okay, it's a fish. But when it actually is a fish, you know it. And it's a lot like that with trading. I mean, if you're just trying to catch something and nothing is there, you'll think there's something there. But when it's actually a fish, you know it. And that's the same with your, your point of you know when it's a good setup. Can I just do one more analogy as well? It's like when you, when you meet a girl on the dance floor and you're in, in her eyes – clock against your eyes like you fucking know that you're in love you are like she is the bomb.com she is hot right you're like oh my god she makes me feel in ways that i've never felt before but there's a lot of times in other relationships where you're on the, the second date, the third date, the fourth date and you're just like i'm really trying to like you but i just can't i just can't i want you it, I want it, it probably happens about the time 
said female sees your back hair, I'm guessing. So, <laughs> do you know what I fall in love weekly? Like I'll fall head <laughs> over heels in love, <laughs> and then one, and then one, then one, one more, next moment, boom, boom. I just don't see you that way anymore. And then I tell them that I love them, then I fall out of love like that, and then they get really hurt and upset, and I don't understand why. It's, it's, they're like, "You've been lying to us." I'm like, "No, I really felt those feelings at the time, just a bit mental." But uh, anyway, yeah, when you know, you know. When you know, you know. With foot, catching the fish, falling in love, trading the stock, when you know, you know. Very well said. Next clip. Also, I should mention, I rarely buy or even you know, short sell stocks pre-market, which is before 9.30 a.m. Eastern, unless the news slash setup is truly great and I think it'll spike big right at the open. Um, that does happen, and you'll see in some – uh, some examples in a little bit where I did buy pre-market and I don't want to ruin what happens. You'll see what happens, but it was, I was right about it spiking at the market open, but it actually dipped a little and I had to cut losses first. So pre-market trading is tough. Um, or if I'm shorting a stock, you know, shares to short can be going fast. Remember shorts on a lot of these hard to borrow stocks are first come first serve. So I have to actually short early, even if I don't think that it's going to drop right away, just to make sure that I can actually ensure my position. Um, so that's that's a tactic that many people don't get. They're like, Tim, if you're shorting it, you think it's going to go down. No. Sometimes I think that it's not going to go down right away, but by the time I do think it's going to go down, there probably won't be any shares to short. Welcome to short selling. Yeah, I mean, we're just chatting there, Tim Bowen and I. We had a bit of a humdrum conversation about how this clip was dedicated to me. And the, the reason it's dedicated to me is because with some of these lower float stocks, like four, five, six, eight million, you just can't get the borrows. And so what you end up doing is you, you, you take the short pre-market, you take a risk pre-market, and you're expecting that it's going to go it's going to go up a little bit and then it's going to crash down. But there's a very, very fine line of doing this. There's a fine line short and pre-market for, 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 for two reasons. One, at 9.30, you have no idea what the reaction is going to be. And, well, you've got an idea, but really you don't know what big investor, what, you, you can't predict what the mass, mass crowds are going to do. You, can, you can't predict the madness of crowds in the mass mania, which is kind of a book title. Uh, the second thing is often trading pre-market is quite light and it just takes one big bidder to knock you out of whack. Just takes one, say it's traded 100,000, 200,000 shares pre-market or say it's traded like less, maybe 120, 80,000 shares pre-market. takes 100,000 bidder at the open, one 300,000 300, minute candle and, and you're, you're upside down big time. Yeah, I've, uh, you know, I've talked about this for years, especially on my Twitter account but, that, you know, you know Years. <laughs> Elementary years. <laughs> but, I, you know, one of the reasons that I kind of got away from shorting a lot of the lower float stocks is I've said, you know, and I joke whether it's Bigfoot or aliens or whatever, but I've said that I think there's some, whether it be a boutique hedge fund or just guy, wealthy individuals or whatever, that see these low float stocks up big in the morning. They wait for that dip and then they just start bidding them up and they fry everybody because they know people can't help but short these in pre-market. 
And then oddly enough, I've been saying this for years, years. <laughs> and, you know, we, we saw that happen in the last month with, um, you know, again, I won't name names, but you can Google MTSL, AWX, some of these uh, uh, stocks where that exactly happened, where a guy with a bunch of money bought up the float and freaking smoked shorts. And that was the first time we kind of saw it out in the open. But um, I thought, I mean, I saw a sea change about early 2016 where it just felt like that, where you'd see that big spike in pre, that little dip, and then blast off and on light volume. But if you got enough money to push these stocks around, you can, I mean, you can make bank. Yeah. And I mean, and I am, I am not a convicted financial fraud uh, by any stretch of the means I'm not, but if I had half a million dollars and the stock, and the stock was a $1 stock and it's trading 20,000, 20,000 every minute and it's and it and, and shorts have piled in it because they're expecting it to go down. Why wouldn't I just prop it? Why wouldn't I just prop it for one or two minutes? Why wouldn't I just push it up a little bit? Why, like, why wouldn't you? When one short gets out, another short it's gets legal. out. It's legal. There's nothing wrong it's, with it. It's yeah. legal. But, but then one short covers, another short covers. Then there's a mass panic. Then it spikes. Then Longstrom on it because it's a quiet day and there's nothing else. So they'll just buy anything. And the next thing you know, you've spent a couple of hundred grand propping it, but you're going to make a mill. Like it. <laughs> Like that, that is there. Like why I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go teach this strategy. I'm gonna go find some rich people. Say, but I really need a <laughs> <new> strategy. <laughs> if you've got some money, I've got a good strategy for you. I tell if, you, if, if 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 you know, and again, we are not certified financial advisors. We are not giving financial advice. But I tell you what, if you're some dude listening to this podcast and you got ten million dollars, look into buying low float stocks. <laughs> like not the whole thing, but like, but that's the thing though. Like I used to. I would short anything. You had the running joke where it's like, Stephen shorts anything that's up. If it's got no catalyst and it's up a lot, I, you'd be like, he's shorting it. But the one thing I've stopped doing now is like, if the volume's too light, even if it is going to go down, just, just don't bother because there's a good chance it's going to get manipulated by somebody. Mm-hmm. Next clip. Here is what this is basically all going to add up to. Um, this is just a random screenshot I took. But... We will have a tool on the Profitly website, uh, Profitly slash SSS. But this is what I want you to, to go to, this link for the time being when we release this DVD. Uh, if you go to Profitly slash SSS, you will see this basically Google, uh, or not Google Doc, I guess this is Microsoft Excel, um, you know, where you can plug in your own ratings. 1 to 20 for pattern price, 1 to 20 for risk reward, 1 to 10 for ease of entry and exit, 1 to 10 for past performance history of spiking, 1 to 20 for what time is the trade and personal schedule. And obviously this is going to change very rapidly and so will the risk reward based on you know what time of day it is and, and what the stock is doing. 1 to 10 on, on reasoning catalyst and 1 to 10 on market environment. And you will end up with a total value of the potential trade. So we've actually, we've gotten through the acronym, the PREPARE acronym. So you now you know what each letter in the acronym denote. And you've now got a breakdown, you know, a summary of that. And then what we want you to do now is we're going to kind of play along with, with all of the listeners at home. 
and we've got a ticker. We're, we're, the, the, the rest of Trader Checklist, the best, best part is Tim actually goes through past trades and breaking down charts so you can actually see how he executes it. But what we'd like you to do now that you've got the knowledge is go to profit.ly slash SSS and the ticker we'd like you to grade. And it's actually a pretty interesting ticker because Tim Gratani had his greatest profit ever on this ticker a month or so ago. And he actually bought it when it was, I believe, about a dollar and sold it when it was a little over two. And the stock's actually over four now. So Gratani made a quarter of a million dollars and he sold, you know, $2 before it even hit. And it might not even be at the top now. So what I want you to do is go to profit.ly slash SSS. The ticker is CVSI, so Cat, Victor, Sam, Indigo, CVSI, and try and implement the strategy, the the psych sliding scale, score it, and then next episode, I'm going to actually do the same. Steven's going to actually do the same on this ticker, and we'd like you to kind of follow along at home and see if you had the same thoughts we had on this ticker. Yeah, the only the only thing that we need to add is we need to add pretty much. I think you need to give we need to give the audience the time the time that would be taking the trade, Correct. the time and the date, because you need. I mean, and again, we've got hindsight, but that's okay. But we need to think at what time would you be taking this trade, and at what date would you be taking the trade? Yeah, well, well, the day I would like to fo- focus on would be Monday, August August sixth. So August sixth, twenty eighteen, CVSI. And and at what time are you taking the trade? Is it like nine thirty five, nine forty five? Let me let me look. At late day, basically, this stock was trending. It's exactly what we talk about a gapper. It had recent news, et cetera, et cetera. So, okay, cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna score it. I'm gonna I'm gonna come. And w- just one other thing that we need to go over. I don't think we really went through the R and the E. The R is just the reason, which is the catalyst. The E is the market environment. For example, environment's very quiet now. How is the market environment right now? Is it quiet? Is it busy? Is it good for longs? Is it good for shorts? Good, great point. I'm glad you remember that. So when we talk yeah. about environment, a lot of that revolves around the overall indexes. So look at when, when we talk about the environment, whether we say it's the market's up today or the market's down, we're primarily looking at the SPY, which is the SP5, S&P 500, or the DIA, the Dow Jones uh, Industrial Average, and the QQQ, which is the NASDAQ index. Now, for me, I primarily follow the SPY because I think that's the best index because the Dow Jones average is only what? I think it's 20 or 30 stocks. The S&P 500 is the 500 biggest stocks. And how how many Q- stocks are on the S&P 500? <laughs> 500. Don't even, don't even answer that. And then the QQQ is an index of the NASDAQ. So I watch all three, but if you're only going to follow one, follow the SPY. And basically what you're looking at is a one-year chart, one year, one day of the SPY. And what's the trend? Is it, is it long-term trending up like we've been in for the last couple of years, or is it long-term trending down? Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm pretty excited to do this. And then maybe on the next, ep- on the next episode, we can, we can go through some more. We can, I can score some, you can score some. We can see what, what was scored together. We can see how Actually, it it's fun. I, I have one big goal for the next episode. The biggest the goal? goal is that you do not raise your arm with a tank top on. <laughs> 
that, you know, you know I am sorry, but that, I mean, this might be our least watched episode on YouTube. Because if I saw that, if me, if I saw that armpit hair on YouTube, I would close that video so fast. People are just like, I love the podcast, I love the content, but Stephen Johnson's armpit is disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. Like sleeping, like sleeping with that. I'm not going to go back into that. I'm not going to say it like that. Wear condoms. But <laughs> wear condoms. Wear condoms. It's not funny if you get a sexually transmitted disease. And if you're young, you're going to have to tell your parents about it because they're going to have to drive you to the hospital to get the antibiotics. It sounds so, like you're speaking so from experience. Honestly, once, once, one time. Hi, this is Aaron, a.k.a. Double A Ron from New York City. And I like to go outside and find a stray dog, preferably an aggressive breed like a pit bull or a Rottweiler. Then I get real close, stare it down eye to eye until it starts to chase me. Then I run. That's right, I run while listening to Stephen and Tim on the Steady Trade Podcast. You can register to win real, actual prizes at their website, steadytrade.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the podcast a five-star rating and write a glowing review on iTunes. I did, and this is how we say goodbye in New York City. (laughs) 